Hi, this is your host, Corbin, and this is your guide for Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys. Now, if you've been listening to the past few episodes over the past couple of weeks, that name, Joel Schumacher, should sound familiar to you. Well, he did direct Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. He took over for Tim Burton, but that was like almost 10 years after this film. So The Lost Boys is one of my favorite summer movies to watch every summer. I actually was introduced to it by a friend of me and Alan's. Um, I watched it with watched it at his house one time and we always watched it a couple times since always had fun with that. So I thought while I was reviewing Schumacher's Batman films, why not go back and review one of my favorite films from his. So definitely go back and check out those Batman movies. You could see jump ahead 10 years, see where Schumacher would be, you know, utterly commercial where at this point he's at the like the very beginning of his movie directing career. Doesn't have a lot a lot of clout at this point, but this has definitely become a cold film. And in the review next week, we're going to talk about why it's one of my favorite summer movies. So make sure to subscribe to the channel. You're not going to want to miss that review. But before we get into the making, make sure to like, make sure to give us five stars. No matter where you're listening or watching this guide, that is a great free way to help me out. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 1987 to remember the top movies released that year. They were Full Metal Jacket, The Last Emperor, which would go on to win Best Picture, The Princess Bride, Dirty Dancing, Evil Dead 2, Robocop, Predator, The Untouchables, Lethal Weapon, Wall Street, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and two dishonorable mentions, Ishtar and Over the Top. Over the Top, definitely check that one out. That's a really fun movie. From that year, I have reviewed Superman for The Quest for Peace, which was just a few weeks ago, so check that out. We're going to circle back around to Richard Donner here in a little bit, and the James Bond film The Living Daylights. Links to those reviews are in the show notes below. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 87, then head over to letterbox.com, and make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 59th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Platoon. Second star to the right and straight on till morning? Eh, more like steer clear of the Santa Cruz boardwalk, a location Jordan Peele would purposely utilize in his film Us. Just another testament to the lasting impact of this film. Obviously, the title for this movie takes its name from J.M. Barrie's Peter Pan stories, most famously visualized in Walt Disney's 1953 classic animated film. So what happens when Peter Pan meets Dracula? Well, first-time screenwriter Janice Fisher and James Jeremias put a dark twist on the classic fantasy. Instead of children always playing in Neverland, these lost boys get their kicks, draining unsuspecting passerby's blood and never growing up since they've become creatures of the night. Their script was bought for $400,000 by the independent production company Producer Sales Organization. That company brokered a deal with Warner Brothers for domestic distribution. It does seem everything comes full circle. As I said, Richard Donner, who did those Superman movies, which came out, Superman 4 came out this year. He did not do 4. I should note, he did not do 4. Check out those reviews. He was originally attached to direct this film. I should mention Fisher and Jeremiah's script, the original script, actually took some inspiration from the lighthearted tone of Donner's fairly recent film at the time, The Goonies. And one of the characters in this film, Corey Feldman, was in The Goonies as well. 
Believe it or not, The Lost Boys was originally envisioned as a G-rated family film. At least that's how Schumacher and Donner somewhat describes it. The Vampire Hunters, as I just mentioned, Corey Feldman is one of them. They're known as the Frog Brothers in this movie. They were supposed to be these chubby Boy Scouts trying to stop younger teenaged vampires. It wasn't until Donner dropped out as director, but stayed on as executive producer to do other projects. Find out what those were on my Superman review series. And Joel Schumacher stepped in thanks to Donner's wife, Laura Schuler Donner, producing Schumacher's first film. Then it became this sexy, R-rated, 80s thrill fest of a vampire movie. Actually, before Schumacher came on board, Mary Lambert, who would go on to direct Stephen King's Pet Cemetery just a couple years later, she also was attached to direct after Donner. Her directing fell through, we're not sure why, probably because the head of Warner Brothers, along with the insistence of Schumacher's wife, had a meeting with Joel Schumacher and said, hey, I really want you to do this film. Also coming on board is Oscar-nominated cinematographer Michael Chapman. His latest film, The Clan of the Cave Bear, starring Daryl Hannah, was a flop, so he returned to his role as DP for this film since he enjoyed vampire movies. He said he always wanted to do a werewolf movie, so he jumped at the chance. Most people who have seen The Lost Boys probably remember it for its soundtrack. Schumacher was able to land so many great talent by promising to direct their music videos. Before he became a film director, Schumacher was a music video director. He did sort of make good on this promise by directing NX's music video, The Devil Inside, but he seemingly gave Foreigner the short shrift. Now, 15-time Oscar nominee at the time of this recording, not necessarily back then, Thomas Newman composed the score for the film. As we talked about in Your Guide to Batman Forever, which came out two weeks ago, Schumacher got who he wanted when it came time for casting. It took some time, but he finally convinced Jason Patrick to play the lead character Michael, after conceding Patrick could help influence the direction of the film. As for the love interest, Star, Schumacher originally considered Meg Ryan, but it was Patrick, once again, who used his influence to land Jamie Gertz the part, since the two of them had just starred in Solar Babies together. To Schumacher's surprise, Diane West, who had just won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar, for the film Hannah and Her Sisters, accepted the role right away. Finally, Kiefer Sutherland's performance in At Close Range caught Schumacher's attention, actually just a still image of him, a close-up image of Sutherland, caught Schumacher's eye. Sutherland had just finished shooting Rob Reiner's adaption of Stephen King's Stand By Me when he landed the part. There wasn't a whole lot of marketing for this film. The biggest piece of merchandise consumers could buy was a 220-page novelization written by Craig Shaw Gardner that features many scenes not in the film and expands on characterization. The Lost Boys was released Friday, July 31st, 1987. Yes, in just a couple weeks, this film will be celebrating its 35th anniversary. This should come as no surprise. It was a fairly low-budget film, $8.5 million. It did very well, though, I would say. Pretty well at the box office. So opening weekend, it came in at number two, $5.2 million dollars. That's pretty good because the feeling on set, and especially from kind of the big wigs, was this movie was either going to flop or it was going to do fairly well. And thankfully, it did fairly well. It opened in 1,027 theaters 
Its widest release would be 1,249 theaters. Opening weekend, it did go up against the James Bond hit The Living Daylights, which grossed $11 million. And it opened in 700 more theaters than The Lost Boys. You can tell going up against James Bond was probably a bad idea, but it never really stood a chance at beating a James Bond film, even though it was like James Bond number, you know, 30, whatever. La Bamba came in at number three, which is pretty impressive since the week prior was at number five. Robocop was dethroned from number one down to number four. And Summer School, the raunchy comedy, came in at number five. Also, it should be noted Superman for The Quest for Peace had been in theaters for two weeks and was pushed from four all the way down to number seven at the box office. Now, at second week at the box office, it was pushed all the way down to number five. The Richard Dreyfus, Emilio Estevez R-rated comedy Stakeout came in at number two. Living Daylights was still number one. The Dolph Lundgren, Franklin Gella Masters of the Universe, based on the popular He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon, came in at number three, which is pretty impressive for this movie that would... I believe would go on to be an utter bomb. I have yet to see it. That actually came in at number three. La Bamba jumped up to number four. As I said, Lost Boys at five. Um, From there, it just continued to plummet. The Patrick Dempsey, Amanda Peterson, teenage romantic comedy, Can't Buy Me Love, came in at number three. Stakeout had actually jumped up to number one, beating The Living Daylights. The Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman film No Way Out came in at number four. La Bamba at five. uh, Masters of the Universe at six. Disorderlies, believe it or not, seven. Robocop had even jumped up to beat the Lost Boys at eight. And then Lost Boys finally coming in at nine. So you could see, I also should note Monster Squad, TriStar Pictures Monster Squad, a similar, more kid-friendly What this probably originally was going to be came in at number 12. It's opening weekend did pretty bad. But as you can see, people that saw The Lost Boys saw it and kind of moved on from there. And people were actually coming back to see other films. I I mean, I'm genuinely shocked. Disorderlies. I mean, does anybody remember Disorderlies? I don't. I'm looking it up right now. That beat robocop and the lost boys so weird time for the box office going into mid-august it would go on to gross domestically at 32.3 million dollars in the foreign markets this might be a re-release 166 thousand dollars for a worldwide total of 32.4 million dollars now on an 8.5 million dollar budget i would say they did a pretty good job Now, this film, I would say, out of all of those other movies, has stood the test of time, except except for maybe Robocop. Not even The Living Daylights. Yeah, it's done even better than that. An IMDb rating of 7.2, Letterboxd rating of 3.7, a Metascore of 63, a certified fresh 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an audience score of 85%. And audiences straight out of the theater gave the film an A-, minus, which is very impressive for this film, I would say. So even though it didn't do as good in the box office as those other movies, it stood the test of time as having a lasting impact of a movie that people have really enjoyed. Thank you listeners for coming along with me as I have been your guide through the production and impact of this film. 
Now that you have your guide to the Lost Boys, make sure to subscribe to the channel for my full review coming next Monday. And tune in the week after as we cowabunga dude with some gnarly pizza and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.